putting us here and and then finally ultimately paying off, which we did last week and uh, the Perry's came over and we were able to do that presentation and, and what a great thing. But we talked about God being faithful and went through um, so many things that God has been faithful as far as concerning his church, concerning his people. And then we took it to a local level and we said God has been so faithful to us and we are so thankful for God's faithfulness. And I want to talk about something this morning that's very close to that. And that God is faithful to his word. Faithful is his word. In 1 Timothy, and I'm not going to read these scriptures right now, but you could put them up if you want. I'm going to go in rapid succession here. 1 Timothy 1.15 and 1 Timothy 4.9 and 2 Timothy 2.11 and Titus 3.8 makes this statement in the Greek. Pistos ha logos. And it's a statement that you won't find in the King James Version, and I don't know about other Bibles. It doesn't read exactly this way. But in my literal word-for-word J.P. Green Bible, word-for-word Greek translation, it says, faithful is the word. Faithful is the word. Mm. Remember last week we said what the definition of faithful? Reliable, trustworthy. Really, if you tried to define God as being faithful, whatever definition you could come up with wouldn't be enough to define him in his faithfulness. Let's say that same thing about his word this morning. Whatever we could come up with definition would not be enough, wouldn't be adequate to describe God's faithfulness to his word. And so I want to deal with this a little bit this morning and just encourage our faith. I was thinking again, faith comes by hearing. Faith doesn't come by life experience. Not according to scripture. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And so, I mean, we can have some things happen to us that will speak to us, it will encourage us, but, but really in our spirit, faith comes by hearing this word of God. I'm glad God speaks. Can you say amen? That he doesn't just, you know, leave us out there with nothing. Just faith alone built on nothing, but we build our faith by hearing the word of God. And it's established inside of us. And so let's pray and ask the Lord to just help us in this. Lord, we just pray now, God, that everyone hearing this morning, that faith will arise. And we're we're delivering a word about your faithfulness and your word. And so, God, as we speak it and as we preach it this morning, may it just become health to us and strength to us. And, and Lord, I pray that that if we're we're failing in an area, if if we're down in areas of our life. God, that you lift us up this morning, Lord, to agree together that great is your faithfulness and the faithfulness of your word. And we ask your blessing, your anointing on it. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Numbers 23. Balaam went down to curse the people of God. He went to to Balak, the king. The king said, I want you to put a curse on the people of God. Many of you remember the story because as Balaam went down there riding his donkey, that his donkey ran him against the wall, smashed his leg, and he got out a sword to kill the donkey and the angels. And actually the donkey talked to him under the inspiration of the Lord somehow. And Balaam was just all mixed up. Balaam thought that he was the prophet and what he said would happen, and and God didn't think that way. But the 23rd chapter said, and the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth. And this is the word that God put in his mouth. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? That's a great scripture. I mean, we, we hang on to that and we hold on to that. God's not a man that he can lie. He doesn't change his word because things get tough and going in a hard direction, and so he adapts and changes it. No. God isn't a man that he can lie, and and it seems like sometimes that time rolls on and it doesn't happen, and so maybe God didn't really tell the truth. Never. God's not a man that he should lie. Has he not spoken, and shall he not do it? When God speaks it, you can count on it, you can bank on it, that it's going to happen. God's word is truth. Now, Let me address a thing here, because this is the go-to verse for those who want to manipulate God into doing something that they perceive that he has said. And I want to be really uh, careful about this in this body and church, and, and we try and stick completely to the Word of God, because sometimes we can get an idea of what God said, and then we believe that God must bring that to pass. Uh, an understanding or a misunderstanding, rather, of what God says is going to lead you into some really terrible spiritual places in your life. We've got a rash of this going on now. People that, that say that God really didn't mean that. He meant this. And it seems very plain to us. It seems very plain what God said. Some of the things he spoke about the church and about conduct and about our lives and and there's just some really plain things that God has said and then now people want to change that and manipulate that so that God uh, will do a different thing and they believe really that they can hold God's feet to the fire. If I find a verse and I believe that verse says a certain thing, I can hold God to it. He has to do it because he said it need to be very, very careful with that because not all the time do you understand what God is trying to say. Let me say this. Verses are taken out of place, out of reference, out of the middle of a thought. 
out of the middle of a word that God's trying to say, and I'm going to take that verse and hold on to that one little piece and claim that so I can force God and manipulate him and coerce him into doing something that I believe that he said he would do when really we didn't take the whole impact of what God said and what God was, was planning in that in, in his statement, and we took the intention out of it, and we put we ascribed our intention to it, and we need to be very careful with that. Say amen. Amen. There's a well-followed woman speaker, and I won't say her name because it, it really doesn't matter. She travels all over, has huge crowds. I just saw yesterday, just turning through some things, and, and there she was teaching and has many thousands of people in the building, thousands of people. And I'm thinking, how is it that she has so many people and yet what she speaks and preaches I've never got a single thing out of. But then I realize that much of what's done there is this teaching or this principle. If you can find it in the Bible, then God has to do it. And this morning we have to be very careful with that because you don't understand a lot of time the intention of God and what he was doing. There's a lot of direction towards certain individual. There's a lot of direction in things that God said to his church. One of the things we err in when we take Jesus talking to his disciples a lot of times, we take those as being very personal. Now I have the power of forgiveness, and now I have the power, those things which are not to speak into order. And Jesus tells his church, he tells his disciples in a plural sense, not in an individual sense, but in a plural sense that whatsoever things you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. But he tells that to his apostles. And so to take that myself and I'm going around binding things and claiming things and doing this, this is the procedure of which this woman works. And there's a lot of people that like that. I can tell God what to do. I found out a long time ago, I'm not in control, but God's in control. And I don't get to tell him what to do. And I don't get to tell him what his word says. He said it. And what I get to do is live according to the word of God. Can you say amen to that? It carries over into the prophetic realm, what we call prophecy. Someone gives a prophecy, and the question is, was that inspiration of God? And if it was inspiration of God, then it must be God's Word. Does that make sense? If God spoke it, then it's His Word. The problem is, all of prophecy is not spoken of God. Uh, we're dealing with a lot of false prophecy, a lot of things. A lot of men have risked their reputation in this last few months prophesying things that did not happen and have not happened and now are regressing to, to try and save face. But listen, when God says it, it's going to happen. Come on, say Amen. It's not maybe, it's not if, it just is going to happen. But in this prophetic realm, if we begin to say prophetic words and now God has spoken that through me and now that's been recorded, I know of a church that took prophetic words, wrote them down in a book and called them the Word of God. Man, I have an issue with that. 
I've got a word of God already. I need to live up to this word before I get me another one. And if it doesn't check out with this word, I don't want the word that is so-called the word of God. There's a lot of strange and, and different prophetic things coming through this valley. You may be standing in a store and somebody wants to prophesy to you. I don't take prophecy from everybody because I believe that God has a true and, and time-honored word that is established. Paul said it this way, we have, or Peter rather, we have a more sure established word than even seeing a vision out of heaven, even hearing an audible voice. I've got a word of God that I need to live up to regardless of whether I ever get a prophetic word over my life or not. I have a whole book of prophetic words, and I choose this morning to listen to what God has already established. Therefore, if a man comes up with something different than what God has said, we just have to let that go by the wayside. We don't balance our life on what men say. We balance our life on what God has already said. Can you say amen? I believe that. And so, again, what you might think about the Word of God, what you might come up with, really doesn't necessarily show what God thinks. I have a problem with some of the doctrine coming down through the church now, and we'll speak about this occasionally because it's so far off of the whole collective of Scripture this thing about God's love and love gospel and grace gospel, and it takes the love of God and it takes the grace of God and extends it to places where the Scripture didn't go. And I want to stay within the confines of the Scripture. I want to stay there. I don't want to get out beyond it. If I get out beyond it, then it's my understanding and my thinking of what God has said. God has said it all right, but listen, it doesn't matter what men say. It doesn't change the Word of God. And there may be a big crowd, and it may be a big influence. It may be on television. There may be thousands following. And it doesn't change the Word of God. The Word of God is just what it is, no matter how it's translated, no matter how it's preached. doesn't matter what people think about it. The Word of God still stands right exactly where it was. And the Word of God is faithful. The Word of God is so Faithful is a lot of well-meaning folks that need to go to the pool of Siloam and wash their muddy eyes because they're not seeing clearly the Scripture. And that pool of Siloam is that apostolic pool of men and women who understand a thing about the Word of God. I don't just go to anybody to see what they know about the Word of God, but I want to listen to somebody who stays within the confines of the Word of God and is going to preach that Word of God, whether it whether it makes people upset or angry or it encourages them at the same time, we stay with the Word of God. The Word of God is faithful. Echoes of Calvary is not what's faithful. Uh, a preacher, Pastor Rod, is not what's faithful. The Word of God is faithful. And so I don't, I don't fashion my life 
after Pastor Rod. I don't fashion my life after the elders in this church, but I fashion my life according to thus saith the Lord. What God said is going to last. Can you say amen? There's a lot of movements and a lot of denominations and a lot of people that do certain things to to uh, somehow accommodate each other so that they can claim over each other who they are and what they are. All I want is God to say, Son, you have been faithful. You've been faithful to the Word of God. You've been faithful to fashion your life and live your life after the Word of God. And that's what we base this morning our Christianity upon. Amen. One of the most important commissions that was ever laid on the preaching world, and it started way back with Timothy and Paul's, Paul's young minister that he's trying to groom. One of the things that he said to him, it just, it resounds as ages rolled on, as church work rolls on, even now and the next generation. He told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul said, rightly, Accurately divide the word of truth. There's too much dividing of the word of truth towards what I feel. It's divided towards what will make people feel better. It's divided how people will, will respond in the church, how they'll give money, how they'll show up in a service. And, and we, we, we sort of set the gospel according to how people feel. God never designed this gospel to make you feel good. He designed this gospel so that you would come into righteousness in Christ Jesus, so that you would walk in him and walk worthy of the calling by which you have been called. And so I say to our young men, our teachers, our preachers of this body, there's, there's one commission that you can't miss. You must rightly divide the word of truth. In other words, don't give out your ideas. Don't give out your spin. Don't spin the scripture at all. Rightly divide it. It stands on its own. It does its work by itself. And when God gets it into your heart, no man can improve on that. Can you say amen? Feel like we can improve on the gospel? We can make it a little better? That's crazy. What a preacher thinks doesn't matter. Even in the smallest division. It's what God thinks about his word. God thinks his word is faithful. Can you say amen? If I'm going to listen to one thing, I'm going to listen to the word of God. Pistos, halagos. It remains unmovable, unrevisable, and timeless. Simply put, it's not open for debate. This word of God is not like opinions that come across the internet. Everybody's got them. And you can go home this afternoon and you can just, man, just put down a few things. Make them real volatile. And it'll start pouring in. This one thinks that. Another one's got a comment on it. But the word of God, it is timeless. It is right and unchangeable. Don't change the Word of God. You don't have the right to do that. The, uh, the uh, Catholic Church believes that their Pope, being the vicar of Christ, has the right to change significantly the Word of God. 
which is absolute blasphemy. The Word of God is unmovable. It's not open for debate, editing, or input. What do you think about the Word of God? I don't want to know what you think. Well, I, I just feel like that this is wrong. We need to edit this a little bit because it's got to come up to where we're at. You know, we live in this century where, where they weren't in way back in the first and second centuries when the scriptures were written, and, and now they need to come up to where we're at. Foolishness. The Word of God is faithful. It doesn't matter how many generations there are that will pass even us. It still is not open for debate and editing and input. It is not flexible or adaptable. I said, well, we just, you know, Rodney was telling me just recently, he read a thing where where a, a man is preaching this gospel that Jesus only talked to the Jews and the apostles talked to the church. What in the world? Where are we going to go with that? He's trying to divide the word of God, trying to segment it for for the Lord's uh, words to only be applicable to the Jew, and that's ridiculous. Jesus' words are applicable to his church. They're applicable to believers, but they are not adaptable and flexible in that sense. It's not adapt. The Word of God is not adaptable. It is not inclusive. The Word of God is exclusive. There is nothing that can weigh in When we come to the table with the Word of God, there's nothing to bring. The Word of God is the central truth of the ages. The Word of God stands on its own. It will always stand on its own. Whether I support it, whether I believe it, whether I teach it or I preach it has nothing to do with the validity of the truth of the Word of God. It is right. If I fail, the Word of God is right. If you fail and walk off, The word of God is still right. If men who have been trusted, who we thought were in places, high places, and we thought they were good men, when they walk off, when they turn their back, the word of God is still right. It's always right. It's ever been right. It will continue to be right. The word of God marches on and on and on and on and on. I have an issue with too many translations of the Bible. You say, well, you just like that old King James, that old King James English. Let let me tell you a thing, where I come from with this. The Word of God was not meant to be read like a comic book. It wasn't meant to be read like the Sunday afternoon paper. It was meant to be studied. Well, I don't understand all the old King James jargon. Good. It'll make you study. It'll make you pull out, you know, your, your lexicons and make you do some word search and make you do some, some scripture search because you didn't understand what that word was about. That's what I feel about the King James Version. Sure, there's a lot of words in there that could come up to our modern language. I understand that. But when I come there and I say, boy, I don't know what that means, and then King get Old English, but then, then I get up, start dragging out the stuff and, and really find out what it's saying, it's a beautiful thing. 
they've taken the Word of God and reduced it down to something that you would read in relaxation. I don't think the Bible should be read in relaxation. I think it should be read with an intent. And the intent of that Word is God, breathe into me some of the breath of life, some of the faith that we talk about in Christ Jesus. God, take it out of the the paper and the ink and put it in my spirit. I don't want to just read the Bible like, you know, I'll just put in a chapter and and, and we'll be good. But I want to read it like, God, get it off of that paper and begin to stir it in my heart. Amen and amen. And so many have attempted to rewrite, rephrase, and modify the Bible to make it easier to read and make it lighter. We don't have an option to revise the Word of God. Where does the Lord say, take my words and make them easy? Have you read that anywhere? Take my words and make it more palatable for people. And generally what happens with these translations is is that you're getting getting the feeling of, of the person who is translating what they think the scripture is saying. And I don't want to go there because God's word is right no matter what the translator thinks. Come on, say amen. God's word's always going to stand on its own and by itself. And and it is the canon. It's this word canon. It's not the explosive, you know, shooting a, a cannonball out. But the word canon, C-A-N-O-N. It comes from the Greek word K-A-N-O-N. And that word means the rule or the measuring stick. And so if we change the rule and the measuring stick, then we never know what the absolute truth is. But there is an absolute truth. It's the measuring stick. This measures my life. This measures this church. It measures the gospel that is preached in this church. This is the measuring stick. Can everybody say amen? Well, Pastor, you know, we've just had different experiences, and and it is my experience that so on and so forth. Well, I, I really I really don't know about people's experience. What I know is what is faithful, and that is the word of God. Well, but it's been corrupted. There have been people that have added things in and taken things out, and we don't know if the text is completely 100% pure. Uh, that doesn't matter. The Word of God is 100% pure. What God has spoken, what God has said, that surely He will honor and bring it to pass. It just stays on. For those who trusted, it, it just stays on. They say, well, I don't know what to trust. Well, that's up to you. But the Word of God just stays on. I say, well, you know, religion's going one way, Pentecostalism, charismaticism, it's all going a different direction, and, and here we are standing here, and we're just preaching that same old word, and, and people don't like it, and we can't get a big crowd because we're not saying things that people want to hear, and I'm not going to say things that people want to hear. What I'm going to say is what God said, and if you like what God said, then we're going to hear it and receive it, amen. And if we don't like what God said, then, then we just walk away from it. That's the choice that's left up unto us, but God has delivered unto us everything thing that pertains to life and godliness, we've got it in front of us. We don't have to go anywhere else. We've got the instructions of life and godliness in our hand. This word is faithful.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the 400 prophecies, and some of you haven't heard this, and so I looked it up again to just to make sure I was on cue here. In the 400 prophecies of Christ, the Messiah coming. We know that he was born in Bethlehem, and we could just start there. And all the prophecies that talked about him, that said what he would be, where he would be born, his genealogy, that talked about his ministry, that talked about his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and we find all that stuff in the Old Testament. It's back in there. God is not a man that he should lie. And when he talks about the Christ coming, it's going to be perfect and dead on. Jesus said that this isn't going to close according in his life, that it wasn't going to come to close without God fulfilling every jot and every tittle that was in the Old Testament, every exclamation mark, everything that God said about Christ was absolutely fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. All the Old Testament prophets, all the Old Testament seers, all of the psalmists, they wrote about him, and Jesus Christ comes revealing and fulfilling every single one of those 400 prophecies which by terms of mankind is totally impossible. This man, a professor, took 600 students to figure out the odds mathematically of one man just fulfilling eight of 400 prophecies of Christ. Just eight. Not the rest of the 392. Just eight of them. The odds of one man fulfilling just eight of those 400 prophecies is one in ten with 17 zeros behind it. We go past thousands, millions, billions, trillions to numbers we don't even know how to number. 17 Zeros is the chance of one man just fulfilling eight of the messianic prophecies. And he fulfilled every one of them. You talk about faithful is the word of God. Come on, somebody say amen. God's word is faithful. That's why we stand on the word of God and we don't stand on the word of men. Because what God said is going to come to pass. If you took this in an in, in, in illustration term, they said if you covered the state of Texas in two feet of silver dollars, two feet over the whole state of Texas, you took a man and blindfolded him and told him to start anywhere, but the first coin that he picked up had to be the marked coin out of those trillions and trillions of coins that were on the ground. That's the odds of one man fulfilling the messianic prophecies. There's only one fit. Yeshua. There's just one fit. Jesus Christ. They need to quit looking. The Jews are looking for a different one when he's already fulfilled. I've, I've been reading the Acts recently 
And Paul is going into the synagogues, and he is proving to them. How is he proving to them? By the Scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Proving to them in the Word of God. What else? What other proof would there be? Remember, we talked all about signs, and Jesus did these signs and those signs, but they were all to prove that Jesus is who he said he is. So God's Word has no chance or odds against it. There are no odds that God's word will come to pass. It is yea, and it is amen. It's not like, boy, this could happen. No, it's going to happen because God said it. 100% reliable and indisputably accurate from the Old Testament to the New Testament. God's word. If Jesus really, truly is God, which he claimed to be, He claimed, I am. He claimed before Abraham was, I am. And all through John's work, remember all the I am's that we covered. I am almighty God. Then if Jesus truly is God, as he claimed, then his word also would be 100% reliable and indisputably accurate that it is also absolute truth. What Jesus said is absolute truth. This may not be a get up and shout around the church message. But according to your faith, if you don't believe that Jesus' words are 100% accurate, then really you're going to find yourself in a very poor spiritual condition. There's only one absolute for the Christian church, and that is the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so glad the apostles wrote them down. Can you say amen? I'm so glad that God gave us not just one witness. He gave us four witnesses, and his words are there everywhere. We read them in red, and we see his words there. Jesus' words, they are not just words. They are spirit, and they are life. They are life-giving. They are spirit-filling. The words of God, Jesus is going to say words that are going to matter throughout eternity. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away, Jesus says, Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. Hey, a lot of people's words pass away. A lot of people's promises don't happen. A lot of people say things that they're going to do, and it doesn't happen. Every time we come up for election, every time we come up to put leaders in, they promise things, and they don't come through. But let me tell you about Jesus this morning. When he promises is a thing he's coming through on the promise because his word is 100% reliable and accurate today yesterday and today and forever Jesus Christ the same same word yesterday same word today and same word forever as long as we're in this church and as long as you need spiritual help in this church, we're going to point you to the same word of God that we've always pointed you to because it's the same power yesterday, today, and forever. Thank the Lord. Amen and amen. Jesus says in John 14, 1, don't let your hearts be troubled. He tells his apostles, disciples, You believe in God? Believe in me. 
it uses the same Greek word. And Brother Dustin said this just not too long ago. He must have picked that up when I said it. <laughs> it uses the same Greek word. Now, we could break it down and say, well, you know, that was in a, in a different grammar. No, it's the same grammar, same word. In other words, the way you believe in God, Jesus said, believe in me. They honor the word of God. You know, the Jews honor the word of God. They don't understand it. They, they have a hard time living by it, but they do honor it. They do believe the word of God is right in the absolute. And Jesus said to those Jewish men, the way you see scripture, the way you see the word of God, you believe it when it comes out of my mouth. Because what he says is always going to be the truth. Amen. Now let me tell you this. You're sitting here this morning and if you're uh, uh, watching from somewhere, we have a lot of people watch at different places, and 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 I want you to 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 hear this this morning. Every man, woman, boy, or girl that's come to an age of understanding. From that point until you are aged, there is going to be a time in your life when you're going to make a choice. You're going to make a choice whether what Jesus said is right or is not right. You're going to make that choice to either believe him and totally trust in him or just to pass him off as another religious leader. You've got that choice to make in your life. We have a lot of people sitting here this morning that's made a good choice. We have chose to believe that Jesus is as good as his word. How do you know you're saved? Well, pastor, how do I know that? Okay, you know what? I come down and pray a little prayer and, and somehow everything wrong that I've done is forgiven. Only if you believe his words. If you don't believe his words, it doesn't matter. Sure, it's foolishness. Oh, that's just foolishness, pastor. Let's say, come down here and say a prayer. That's foolishness. I don't need to do that. I'm the same person. But the Lord said that he that's in Christ Jesus is a new creation. So you have a choice to believe what you want to believe. I choose this morning to believe that Jesus was right and that I stand here this morning having sinned in my past, having come to the Lord and ask for his cleansing and his forgiveness and, and for that new life. I stand here this morning and my faith tells me that you're saved by the power of God, that you are washed and you are clean and you are free and you are forgiven. That's my faith this morning. And it's not in church. It's not in a pastor that told me that. It is in the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. I place my faith, my trust in him. I don't place them in experience in what somebody else seems to know. But the Lord said, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I love that this morning because there's no contest. The devil comes to say, no, no, that didn't happen. There's nothing in that. Don't, don't do that. 
Don't be involved. And there's nothing. Those people are just, they're going to extremes. But the word of God says something different. And I choose to believe what the Lord said above what the enemy of my soul says here this morning. That if I put my faith and my trust in the Lord, there's something about God that he comes through. He changes my life. If he's changed your life this morning, you know what I'm talking about. You used to walk in your old way and your old desire. And now you have a desire to serve your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's down in you. And he has touched you and he has filled you and listen that can't be given to you by any other source than by believing what God has said hallelujah so I stick to that word why would we preach the gospel if we didn't believe that he could save souls so Christian believers choose to trust him completely totally rely on his faithfulness and rest their eternal future in him. Pastor, how do you know there is a heaven? And how do you know there is a hell? Because he said so. There's people that come back from deathbed experiences and say that I was in heaven. That proves nothing to me. What Jesus said is what I believe. Not somebody coming back from a deathbed. People have wrote books and testimonies about I was in hell for 30 minutes. I wouldn't want to be in hell for a second. But I don't believe you go to hell, you're coming back out. But that doesn't matter anyway. That doesn't, that doesn't sway me one way or another. But where Jesus said there is... Hey, listen, don't fear him who can destroy your body, but the one who can destroy your body and soul in hell. Uh, he said it, and I believe it. And they said, Pastor, there isn't really any hell. People aren't, you know, pastors and, and, and churches aren't talking about hell anymore. There is no hell. You're a liar. You're a flat-footed liar. Jesus said there is, and I believe him this morning. Now, I, it, it's not to scare people. It's not to try and, you know, be power over people. I just want to let you know this morning that what Jesus said is true. It's right. And I am standing this morning on his word. I was down in prayer just recently, and the Lord said a little something to me. He said this, and I'm going to talk to everybody about this for a minute. We've got a few minutes left. He said to me, you have trust issues. And I'm like, ah. you know, of course, we, we know better than God. And that's why we have these issues. Because we know better. I think probably it's pretty rare the person that does not have some sort of trust issues. People have failed us. Promised things that haven't come through. And we develop trust issues. Somebody hurts us bad enough, we don't want to trust anymore. I don't want to get hurt like that. I don't want to feel like that no more. So I've got a fix for it. 
I just don't trust anybody. That way they can't hurt me. If I don't invest anything into anybody, they can't really hurt me, right? And so I've had situations, people and things have failed in my life and left me to fend on my own. And so a lot of us are real proud about, I'm a self-made man, you know. Bless God, I'm a self-made man. I've made my way. I read this on a, on a sweatshirt. And, boy, it just really kind of burned into my spirit. Everything earned, dash, nothing given. That's me. Yeah, I read it on somebody else's sweatshirt, but I should be wearing it myself. Everything earned. I haven't got nothing without hammering it out. Nothing without labor. Nothing without doing it myself and getting it done. And, and I always felt like nothing's going to get done. Brother Curse said this yesterday. And it was, it was just absolutely along with this word. He said, Pastor, I've always fixed everything in my life, but I've got to a place I can't fix it anymore. But it makes us trust in ourselves. you know. Have you ever failed yourself? I know I have. Come on, say amen if you failed yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People failed us, and so... So the Lord's saying to me, you, you have these, this, this trust issue and that you think your way is the best way. There's nobody else here like that, but you think your way is the best way and you trust in it. And I can't fully trust in the Lord if I'm fully trusting in myself. And so I'm saying, Lord, I'm doing my best. And I am. I'm doing my best. But I can do better by the grace of the Lord and trusting in Him. But I can force it. You know, I can make this happen. I can. That's what we do. We make things happen. And the Lord says, no, I can make them happen if you trust me. And so we get into situations where we really have this issue where I don't know if God's really in my corner. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody else here this morning, but, but I don't know, Lord. You want to take me through some areas here, and, and I know better than that. That's not what I need. And the Lord is trying to lead us, and we're, we're resisting instead of trusting. We're resisting. And so the Lord says this. Now, now speak to the church. God-loving saints. Many of you have come through neglect and abuse. Many of you were abused as children. Many of you were neglected as children. Many of you had rough homes. You weren't raised in church. You were, a lot of things happened in your life. People left you. Probably much of this church was raised with divorce in your family. One of your parents gone. We had, at, at one point years ago, we had just started the idea of discipleship. It wasn't the second discipleship, but the first one. This is way 20-something years ago. And we suddenly realized that everybody that was in that program either was not raised by their father, their father had left, or their mother had left. And how hurtful is that? How, I mean, what kind of trust? What does that do to you, being abandoned? My parents, some of you have been abandoned by spouses. You've been abandoned by children. Our response is bitter hurt and resentment. 
That's a response. That's a human response. It's resentment. And then don't trust, withdraw, refuse to fully trust anybody ever again. Because those you trusted have failed you. And this is the paradox of, of our life. People that we put faith in. I know preachers that I've had faith in and they just flat out were not what they said they were. That hurts your spirit. And you want to withdraw and you want to not trust anymore. And this is the very reason why I'm preaching this morning. That putting your trust in people, putting your trust in systems, putting your trust in family a lot of times is going to fail you. But there is one who will never, never fail. His word is always 100% accurate. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And what he said to you, is you can rely on it. You can live on it. You can trust in it. So if you have trust issues this morning, don't let it get over into your spirit. Don't let it clog your mind and your spirit. But believe that Jesus is, that he is a rewarder of them that seek him, that his word is yes, it's yes, and amen to those who believe him this morning. Words of Jesus are trustworthy. And I'm going to close with this. No, I'm going to close with these. I didn't read our first four text verses, and I'm not going to read them now, but I'm going to say something about them except for the last one. The book of Titus, fourth chapter and the ninth verse. You can go uh, put that up if you would. Or the third chapter, excuse me. Third chapter, fourth verse. In 1 Timothy, the first chapter, Paul says this. He says, Pistos ha logos. Faithful is the word of God. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's the first point of God's faithfulness in his word. He came to save sinners. And then Paul turned and said, of which I am chief. Thank God for a faithful word. Like I said before, just last Sunday I think it was, I don't, it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter how mean you were, how ugly you were, how cluttered your life was. Jesus came to save sinners. Somebody may tell you that you can't be saved, and somebody may tell you that you're not forgiven, but the Word of God says Jesus came to save sinners. That is a faithful statement, a faithful saying, a faithful word. Jesus is still in the saving business today. The second one was Timothy, 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. And Paul said, Pistos halagos, it is faithful. We have a hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men. So I don't care what color you are this morning. I don't care how you were raised this morning. It doesn't matter if you were raised on a farm or you were raised downtown in the ghetto, it doesn't, none of that matters. Jesus is the Savior 
of all men. Everyone has the same opportunity to believe this word. Thank God his word is faithful. All men everywhere may see the grace of God. 2 Timothy, the second chapter, Paul writes, Pistos, ha logos. This is a faithful saying. This is a truthful saying. This is the true word of God. If we died with him, we shall live with him. If we endure, we shall reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. He is not able to deny himself. Let me tell you this, saint of God. Since you've come to him, you may have had some problems or issues. You may have come to some points in your life that said, I need to repent and I need to get right and I need to make things right. But thanks be unto God, even when you weren't faithful, he still is faithful and just. If you have brethren, if you have a sin, brethren, what do you do? You come to him who is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We've got a great hope. The hope is, is that Jesus saves and he keeps and he delivers and he washes and he cleanses and he forgives. And he said this word, if you live with me, if you live for me, you're going to live with me. If you endure this thing, listen, we go through some stuff as Christians. We have to endure some things. But if you endure, you're going to reign with him. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Now go to, listen, that sound of abundance of rain. Go to Titus, the third chapter, and we're going to just finish right here, okay? This is so powerful. Third chapter and the fourth verse, and I'm going to read down to the eighth verse, yes. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works and righteousness which we had done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Wow. Through the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, which he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, listen, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And then it says, faithful is the word. Hey, listen, you and I have a, a great inheritance in front of us. Has anybody here ever received like an inheritance? A few people received an inheritance. Sometimes it's a great inheritance. I heard not long ago somebody received a really, really big inheritance. And of which, you know, naturally you're pretty happy about that. Especially if you didn't know it was coming. We've got an inheritance. It's already been written out. We've got an inheritance that is already sworn out to us. As children of the Lord. And it's a promise by his word. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're heirs of eternal life. The older I get, the more I think about the 
life in the terms of how short it is. Some of you that are up in your 50s, 60s, 70s now, you look back and you think, but that was just, just a few days ago, wasn't that? And it was, like I told you last week, the, the people said, how long ago has it been since you've been in this camp, Kay? And we figured it out, 50 years. It seems like yesterday. It seems like, wow, life is like a vapor, right? Amen. Man, you're in the prime. You're just, you're going, and, and, and then all of a sudden you look up, and you're not in your prime anymore. And like, you're still going, but you're not in your prime. But let me tell you this. <clears throat> We've got a promise. Somebody said, well, there is no, you know, really no hereafter life. Well, that's good for you and the devil. But I got something else. I got something, I believe this word, can you say amen? Whoa, I hold this word down tight to me that says, I'm going to endure. I'm going to endure right to the end. And then, and then after I endure to the end, there is life eternal that is promised. It's sworn out to us. It's already written out to us. I am written down in his inheritance. Can you say amen? As a child of God, and I didn't make myself a child of God, but by his word, he said, he proclaimed that now you are the children of God. And it doesn't yet appear what you shall be, but we know that when Christ shall appear, we're going to be like him. Wow, what a promise, what a word. What a word that cannot go wrong. It cannot go wrong. It is 100% accurate this morning. Would you stand with me? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you this morning for being such a great audience of reception.